Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Jeff Henderson. Hey, everybody, Jeff Henderson back with you on Launch University Podcast. And thanks, first of all, for tracking along with us. And it's fun to see our subscriber base grow. And today we're going to be talking about something that all launchers face at some point, And that is, when do I when do I jump? When do I jump from my day job to my dream job? And there are a lot of perspectives on this. Some people just say, you got to jump. And that's a good perspective. Some people say, no, you need to build a bridge from your day job to your dream job. And I'm not sure there's necessarily a right or wrong answer. I think we all have to figure this out on our own. That's why I'm very excited to talk to our guest today, Stephen Hartsock. Stephen actually did that and is doing that. And he's he's got a great story. So if you're thinking about going to that dream job, launching that nonprofit, launching that business, or launching that new idea, there's always a certain level of risk. And how big of a risk and how small of a risk? At what point do you stay too long and you miss the opportunity? At some point, do you jump too early? So we're going to hear from Stephen today. And as we do, I want to First of all, say thanks for being here, buddy. Of course. Now, you and I go, what is it now? Eight years, nine years, something like that? Yeah, for sure. And the first time we actually interacted, you actually were very nice to my parents. Why don't you tell that story real quick? Yeah, so, um, well, I can't take all the credit. Kim gets most of that credit. But we were in Gwinnett Center for the uh, first Gwinnett Church service, which was an Easter service, I think. And... um, it was crowded, and Kim, my wife, and I kind of slid into the middle area, rose dead center, and there was this older couple, and I was certain when I when I laid eyes on them that they had no idea <laughs> that they were at the right church, right? Um, because it was going to be loud, and you know, I was concerned for them, but um, I am shy and I didn't say anything. But Kim <laughs> decided to say something, and um, it turns out. Uh, they were your parents, and they were very proud to be there, and they knew uh, why they were there and uh, how loud it would be. And uh, so, yeah, I met your mom and your dad before I met you. Wow. And they quickly told you who they were, right? Oh, they were, yeah, <laughs> definitely. That was my parents. So uh, that's kind of how I got to meet the Heart Sox. And so we're going to talk about your business and how you made the leap, but during that time, tell us what you were doing. Well, I for 12 years, I worked for a uh, residential remodeling company. We did high-end residential remodeling, primarily in North Atlanta. And I worked my way up from, uh, you know, a guy that that carried lumber to a guy that managed multi-million dollar projects. Right. And the recession kind of came around in, in uh, 2006 and seven, and it that's when we started really seeing a difference in that industry. Uh, it was tough for a lot of people. We were in a, a higher end uh, market, so I guess the 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 tough times saw us a little bit later. So yeah, that's that's what I did at that time. I was building houses and um, you know making people's dreams come true. And nothing to what you're doing now. Not so. So how did you? And tell us tell us what you're doing now, so everybody can yeah. understand can understand what you're doing now and, and kind of the big bridge that you had to build. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you were going from one real estate thing to, you know, sure. or, or, or any of that. You're doing something totally different. Yes. So completely different. We, uh, my wife and I own a restaurant, a full service catering company, a seasoning company, and a sauce company. The seasoning and sauce company are, are one and the same, mm-hmm. but we sell uh, blended spices and sauces commercially. Uh, and yeah, we have a restaurant. 
And so was this a hobby for you for a while? I mean, how did you get into this? Yeah, so specifically speaking, in 2010, when Kim and I got married, we gave away uh, 50 of these little tin cans uh, that had a sticker on the top that, that said Socks Love Rub. It was a seasoning that I had um, created for myself just in the backyard cooking barbecue. And it was a seasoning I created for myself that I thought would be a good thing to give away to the 50 people that showed up to our wedding. Mm-hmm. And um, Socks, obviously, is part of my last name, Heart Sock. So that's where that came from. And on the months after the wedding in uh, 2011, people in my family were calling back, hey, can where can I get this? Can you make me some more, et cetera? And I thought, you know, I'm creative. I like the creative process of doing things like that. And uh, I thought, how difficult could it be with the Internet to come up with a commercial bottle of this stuff mm-hmm. and sell it and make millions? Is what I wanted to do. <laughs> so that's what I did. I, you know, nights and weekends after I'd get off work, I'd, I'd come home and peck away on the computer and figure out how to make a barcode and figure out how to design graphics and come up with catchy uh, content for the packaging and stuff. And it took about six months, I think, and we came up with the uh, seasoning. And um, I, I remember the, the, the first time, I'll tell you the first time we sold it, individually and then but the first time we sold it to a company like a legitimate company we had gone out to Kim's parents for uh, a holiday I can't remember which one and her dad asked me to bring a case of it with me and at the time it took all the resources I had just to make a case 12 bottles so I did it we brought it out there he introduced me to a guy that owned a beef jerky store and I sold it to him and our first customer commercial customer was a beef jerky dealer in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, hmm. which is crazy. And then when we got back, we created a website. And um, again, nights and weekends, just grinding away. And I had no shipping. There was no way to ship anything on the website. I just wanted to kind of get it out there. It was a mess. But um, the very first day the website launched, we got a sale. And fortunately, it was a local person. And I remember driving down the road and got the message on my phone and and turned back around, went home and, you know, filled the order and called Kim and said, hey, I'm going to go meet this guy at a gas station and drop off some seasonings that he ordered from the website. I think this is, this is starting, this is where it's going to begin. How'd that first sale feel? Uh, it was scary because, uh, first of all, I, I didn't know the guy. Uh, turns out I know him now. He's a regular customer of mine, and he was just as worried about it as I was. <laughs> it was kind of like um, a legitimate drug deal. Um, but anyway, it was great. It was that's when that's when I realized that I had something other than uh, a product that my family said was was good. Right. Um, and I think this is an important point. You you're doing you you said two times nights and weekends nights mm-hmm, and weekends, mm-hmm. and so your story, Stephen, isn't oh I've got this idea I'm going to quit my day job and jump off the cliff and go for it. And for some folks, again, that may be your story, but what you're doing along the way is you're beginning to discover oh this is actually gaining traction versus assuming that it's going to gain traction. So right. you're you're kind of testing it and prototyping it as you go along, which is one of our what we call the launch loop here at Launch University. So you you have an idea that you're prototyping. Mm-hmm. How long did that prototyping take? Oh, it's it took quite a while and I'm terrible with dates, but in uh I think it was 20 
2012, so roughly a year after I had created this product to sell commercially, my boss at the time of 12 years came to me and, and met me for lunch. And he said, hey, listen, you know, today's going to be your last day working for me. Wow. Yeah. And he wasn't really good at delivery. Like he was, a, you know, yeah, he was not good at his deliveries. However, he was a, a great person and he, his intentions were great. And he always looked out for, for the people that he cared about. And, and I would include myself in that. Um, but what he said was, but I got you a job. And you're going to start for this this new company tomorrow, if you want it. If not, then this is where where we kind of part ways. But if you're interested, I've got you a place to go tomorrow. So it's crazy. I'll never forget. I was at a local restaurant here that I, I went to quite a bit. And um, I was mad and frustrated. And I needed this job because it was helping me, you know, fund this new company that I was trying to get off the ground. Sure. And not to mention, I'd invested 12 years of my life into something that I thought that I would do forever. Mm-hmm. I, I was a construction guy. I thought I would do that forever. And I remember calling Kim just so frustrated. And we were in a tough, kind of tough part of our life, you know, newlywed and kids and all that. But I did. I, I dressed up, which I hadn't done in a long time, and 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 I didn't fit very well in the clothes that I'd I uh, <laughs> dressed up in, but I started this new job. I started this new job the very next day. And so, to I guess to back up and answer your question, I was there for three years hmm. at this new company for three years, grinding it out nights and weekends. And the crazy thing is at my interview, I told him about, hey, I've, I've started catering. I've started this seasoning company. That's where my heart is. I will never blur the lines while I'm at your company, and I appreciate the job, but honestly, this is the direction I want to go in. And they still hired me, which is crazy. Wow. Well, I think this is another important lesson, and that's the lesson of to pivot. So you've had this job for 12 years, you get this news, you pivot, and now you're at a new company, but then it's still nights and weekends, nights and weekends. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, vacation days, all of it. And at this time, I the catering was really... So again, I, I had never worked in the food industry in any capacity, not not fast food, not anything. So this was all new to me. But what what I started doing was posting pictures on Instagram and Twitter to promote the seasoning. And over time, people would say, "Hey, can you cook that for me, and I'll pay you for it?" And I'm like, "Sure." And that sort of gained traction. And it just became a, a thing, you know. Uh, and I wasn't even I wasn't even sure if I should call myself a caterer. I didn't really know what to do. But it it, it honestly turned out to that I was catering literally every night and weekend. Hmm. And let's let's stay there for a second. So you said you were posting on social media. Yep. And how did you even gain followers in something that wasn't necessarily quote real? Yeah. So. It's interesting. I, I still don't really. I, sh- I should understand social media more. Um, I don't know that hashtags. Apparently, you really do. Well, <laughs> I don't know that hashtags were were such a thing back then as as important as they are today. I think just posting in my world tasty content stuff. You know, you eat with your eyes first a lot of times. So if you post photos with bright pictures and you know post things that food items that people the normal person doesn't know how to cook 
uh, that gets people's attention. So, and then I had this, um, I won't name drop, but he's a, he's a fairly well-known golfer, professional golfer, reached out to me via Twitter because he's a barbecue guy like I was and just made a general comment. I don't think he, want, he wanted anything from me, but we, he lived in the same town as, as us and we had this thing in common. So he reached out and uh, just made this comment. He had 1.1 million followers on Twitter at the time. And he did this organic tweet to, to us. And that really helped tremendously as far as followers go and, and pe- making people aware of what we do. And, um, and I took advantage of that. I, I connected with him and make sure I got product in his hand and, and we're still friends to this day. Um, and that was seven years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed, so you have almost a thousand followers on Instagram for Socks Love Rub. Yeah, it's not near as much as you, but I'm getting there. <laughs> well, I'm not as, I can't barbecue like you. But <laughs> I think the point is, is you go from zero to, you know, a, a thousand. Yeah. And a part of that is consistency, I would sure. imagine. So mm-hmm. not, not going you know, dark for three months. Now. Oh, I need, I need to post something. Yeah. And it seems like you've really focused on Instagram versus other platforms. Is that true? Yeah. I don't have an answer for that, but for me personally, I like to see pictures. Mm-hmm. I don't read as much as I should. I don't read books as much as I should. I like to read magazines and short stories, but for me, I like pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I eat and do things with my eyes first before I will read the content below. Yeah, um, and that's really that's fitting with what you're selling. Sure. And so if you were selling philosophy, it's probably more of a it'd be horrible long, long Facebook post. But for this, you're you're selling pictures of food. That's right. And so let me, let me go back to now. You're working at this company for for three years. How do you make the transition from that to what you're doing now? Yeah, several reasons. But they're, they're honestly, and I I try to be as transparent as I can with, with anyone who ever asks me this. And, and the most important aspect of this, there's two things, two key components. I had a wife and a partner that, that truly believed in what I do, so much so that she was willing to say, hey, let's take a chance and take a chance on what you're doing. And how about you quit? You give up that salary that you have that's – fantastic and go and make you know nothing and let's give this a shot so to have someone believe in you first of all that you you know you that that you have to spend most of your time with is important and then to have an income replace the one that you have that you're going to leave behind those are important you can't deny them so i owe a ton to that situation there Um, but just being Faithful to the current job you're in is crucial because, you know, I don't want to burn bridges. I, I needed a place to go back to if, if this thing blew up in my face. And, you know, being honest with them, I think, was crucial to me. I was fortunate that I worked for a company uh, with leadership that really cared about folks like me and entrepreneurs. And, and um, they were OK with me dreaming during the day, but, you know, still getting my job done. Well, and that that leads us to a point that you and I've talked about before that the path to your dream job often leads through your day job and to be faithful where you are. Yeah. And so when I talk to a lot of folks they are like, I hate my job and I want to do something different. I'm like, okay, I understand that. And let's, let's talk about that. But you do realize that you have to be faithful where yeah. you are. And that's what you did. Well, the cool thing is I never hated my job. Yeah. 
I really wanted to work in construction my whole life. Mm. But I didn't realize that I could truly be passionate about something until I got involved with food, mm. food-related business. So it's really, it was not a, a decision between good and bad. It was really a decision between good and great. Absolutely. I think so. I, I never, I, I don't know that I ever looked at it that way. I had, I had it was a great opportunity. I mean, mm-hmm. I was not leaving a, a, a terrible environment to, to, to go take a shot at It wasn't like um, I didn't have to do it. Right. You know, it wasn't like a desperation call for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's not the true for everyone, but in my situation, and I think it really, I really do believe it's because I was faithful to the company that I worked for and I didn't blur the lines. Yeah. yeah I did use all my vacation days well before <laughs> I probably should have, right. but it wasn't a desperation move for us. It was something that, that that worked. So you're doing nights and weekends, vacation time. You have seasoning, and you're getting into some uh, some grocery stores, some some chains. Yeah. And with any story, there's great news and challenging news. We didn't talk about this before we got on the air here, so if you want to edit this out, we can. But I remember you called me one day, and you, you hit really hit a low spot because there was a chain yeah. that kind of opted out of this. Yeah. Tell us about that story. You don't yeah. have to mention who it is. No, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, we it was um, – I'll back up and tell you how we got in, which was crazy. We, we had a co-packer where we, we co-packed our seasonings here in Atlanta, and – not a co-packer, I'm sorry. We had a facility where we would pack our, our seasonings. And they it was a good it was an awesome they're an awesome family. They they did uh, they were a small business and really cared about what we were doing. And they got this opportunity from a national brand that was coming into the East Coast market to present their product to this national brand that was coming through. And Dean, my friend who owned this this company where we produced our seasonings called me one night and um, he said, hey, we're going to go meet with this company. You should Google it. You, you might not know about them, but they're really big on the West Coast and it's we're pretty much a lock. They have this local program and we want to take your stuff with us and present. Can you get some to me? And it's like seven o'clock at night. And this, this um, our facility is, is in Doraville. It's way south. So I'm like, sure, you know, and I don't know that I took it real serious, but I did anyway. We would keep some of the seasonings at our house, so I packaged up this little four-pack and boogied down to Doraville, and, and at the time, they didn't give me a key to the place, so I would ha- they would have to be there to let me in. So I just went on faith and kind of dropped the box right by the door. It's not the greatest um, place to, to leave an item. It'll probably get picked up by someone, but... <laughs> I uh, put it out there, and uh, sure enough, they came back the next morning super early and picked up my stuff and left, and I didn't hear anything else. You know, He just said, hey, it went well. We were able to give them your product. And about two months later, I got a call from this company. Hey, we're opening our first store in Snellville here in Georgia, and that's going to be our first East Coast store. We want all four of your SKUs to be in our store. And... I don't know that I realized in the moment how important that was, but it, it was. And, and to fast forward a little bit, that they grew very rapidly. And I, to my knowledge, they've been very successful here. And that one store expanded to 13 very quickly. And we started moving a legitimate amount of product 
now. I mean, it was it was now a company and no longer family members ordering this stuff. Mm. And it, it, it was so strange how it all happened. So we get in, and, and we're there for about a year, and, and things are going well. We're approaching 20 stores in the southeast U.S. And I get a call from them and saying that they're they're getting rid of their local program, that they hadn't replaced the person there, and there's, it's going to go away. And in the back of my mind, I, I kind of – like everything that everyone told me about these big stores, you know, they're going to do this to you. They're going to, this is going to happen. And, and by, by at this point, our catering was, was big enough that it, it kind of exceeded what we were doing in the seasonings. So it wasn't really a, um, a factor of money loss for us. It was more of a pride thing. I put, I had put all of my identity and hope into this brand, into this one company you know, eggs in the one basket, as people say, and it really kind of broke my heart, like mm. broke me down and made me realize how little and small and insignificant I was, or at least that's how it made me feel. And yeah, that's about the time I was like, I didn't know what to do. And I did reach out to you and said, hey, can you come meet with me? And that's when I realized you're actually the mayor of Swanee when I met you at Chick-fil-A because I think you and I got about 10 words in because everybody knows Jeff in, in Swanee and Chick-fil-A. But yeah, that, that there was tough, man, and it, it, it kind of soured me a little bit. But we got through it, and you know I c- continued to build our client base with the seasonings, and lo and behold, that, that same company called me back and said that they had made a big mistake and um, they reevaluated the, the full local product line and, and decided that they wanted our stuff to come back. So wow. it was crazy because we went from slowly building from one store up to 20-something to now they had, I think they were in the mid-20s, we had to restock all 20-something stores mm-hmm. at one shot in one shot. Mm-hmm. So it was good for the bank account, but yeah. it was, I remember getting that order thinking, oh my God, this is, yeah. again, another moment where you're like, this is real, like this is really a... We're a real, we're a legit business. Yeah. And, and, and let's not forget, I'm still building houses. Right. And I, I think it's important, you, you'd said something earlier about not building bridges. It would have been easy for you to go, you know, ballistic on this company, yeah. burn the bridge, and then it's over. But the way that you responded to them, honestly, but respectfully, mm-hmm. you kept it open and then... Yeah. I think, I, I, if I remember correctly, that is the advice that you gave me. I was, I really wanted to just unload and, and tell them how unfair I thought it was and how wrong they were, and, and I didn't. And um, thank you for that. And I think that that paid off. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it goes to when we want to, we have two options when something like this happens. We can take the high road or the low road. The low road feels good in the moment, but it doesn't usually provide long-term benefits. The high road takes a lot of character, but it does provide longer-term benefits. So let's fast forward to today. You recently, so you got the seasoning business. It's going great. You've got catering yeah. business. Uh, Stephen has catered a lot of special events in the, in the life of our family. And so does a great job. You you got a huge deal with a, a local uh, ministry organization. You're there frequently with them. But then you decided to launch the Catering Kitchen, mm-hmm. which is open five days a week now? Yeah, Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 2, just lunch. And tell us about that next step and how that has been. Yeah, so I think we're going on um, on the 
thirtieth or thirty first will be five months in open wow. as a restaurant. It still blows my mind. I would I couldn't even say the word restaurant forever, but it's becoming comfortable for me to say that now. You know, we were we found this commercial space um, about a year and a half, almost two years ago, about ten miles from our house, which was fairly convenient, and we needed it to be able to produce our seasonings out of, and we needed it to do our catering out of. We had grown out of our shared space and um, needed a space of our own, and we found this spot, and it was great. And, you know, I quickly realized that on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when we didn't have any catering on, you know, particular weeks, the bills still needed to be paid. Mm -hmm. And I I remember having a couple conversations with Kim about what what can we do to, to sort of maximize our spot here and um it, you know in the retail store for selling the seasoning it just wouldn't have i don't know that it would have worked and i think selfishly in the back of my mind and in i think kim would agree i really really wanted a restaurant like i really wanted a place where people could come enjoy mm-hmm. our food put down roots yeah and but i knew that and we had talked many times about how you know we have young kids, two in middle school, one in elementary, and, and that we just didn't want to devote that kind of time to a restaurant right now. And Kim has a fantastic career. She's very, very successful in what she does and truly works longer and harder than I do. So to to add in a restaurant is just crazy. So we did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just had this crazy idea that, hey, let's Let's try. Let's take the greatest hits off the catering menu. We know what works. We've got two years in of testing this stuff, and we'll make a very simple menu. We'll do lunch only, and you know it's three hours a day, right? How hard that could that be? And and we did it. And it's definitely not three hours a day, even though that's what the right. the sign says. Well, you're open from uh, eleven to sold out, right? Eleven, 11 to, to two are sold out. Yeah. So which I love. Yeah, it's. I mean, and I, I don't know where I got that from, but I, I, I just wanted to be honest with people. You know, we're going to cook a certain amount of food. We're going to increase as the volume increases, but you know, once we're out, we're out, and people get so frustrated. But most people understand. They just say, oh, "I have to come back earlier." I think it's great marketing. It's like when Disney closes the gates and say, "I'm sorry, we're full." That's. I think that's great marketing. Sure. But just that could be wrong. But yeah. So it's been going great. I was there on your grand opening day. You I remember what, but. The reality of the business hit, I think, as the uh, the health inspector showed up, what, a couple of days before the opening or something? They did. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we've had three. So with the catering, it's fairly simple because you, you, I have a lot of control over that. We don't have customers in there making a mess. And, and so when the health inspector comes, it's, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it, it you can control it a lot better. Right. But yeah, she she definitely showed up. Right before we opened, so that was awesome. So let's go back to when you decided to leave the construction business yeah. and pursue this full time. Yeah, talk about that last. I, I want to mention this company. It's SR Homes. So they're they're a they're a semi custom home builder here in Atlanta, uh, mostly in North Atlanta, and the the leadership in that that company is just incredible. Um, there were at, when I was there, there were three owners and. Um, the day, well, I, I turned in, I, I led a department, so I felt like it was my duty to give them a fairly substantial amount of notice. 
So I think I've turned in like a month notice. And which actually turned into two weeks because we just got so busy and, and I just had I had to go. But it was okay with them. And uh, I remember being called to their – they have another office separate from where I was, office building, and I was called in to go meet with them, the owners. And they – it was the craziest thing. Not crazy to me, but just crazy that that this still exists in the world. All three of these guys prayed – for me in in their office wow they offered me a job if i needed a job back there if things didn't work out hmm. and they offered financial assistance to my new company if i ever needed it hmm. it was it blew my mind that's crazy and i again that goes back to not burning a bridge right it's you know i i i felt like i didn't realize it at the time but i was building a bridge from because I made it very easy for myself to transition from one to the other. Yep. Nobody was mad at me when I left. Mm-hmm. I've actually catered for this company multiple times since I've left. That's great. Yeah, so it, that's the most important thing you can do is mm-hmm. just be honest where you're at. Be, yeah. be faithful in whatever situation you're in. Right. Makes the transition so much mm-hmm. easier. And I think it's another important point as well. You, there was still a certain amount of risk, but the, it wasn't like this canyon of risk that you were mm-hmm. leaping off into the unknown. You had really done your homework. You'd been diligent nights and weekends, nights and weekends, vacation. Yeah. And so the level of risk was still there with any business, sure. but it was much smaller because of that hard work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had a client base built up um, before we left, I mean, we the company was standing on its own two feet before we left. I mean, we weren't making a tremendous amount of money, but it was it was a legitimate company, and we were making you know some money, and it was moving forward in the right direction. So we didn't leave and start at zero. We left and and started in a good position with a good client base, and that was because we spent. I say we because you know even though Kim wasn't cooking, she was taking care of the kids and making sure. You know, I was headed in the right direction and taking care of us financially. But, yeah, we grinded it out on nights and weekends, man, every single. I mean, you you and I talked about this many times. Like, what are you up to? And I'm like, I'm just busy. Right. So. And you're getting to the point where the business is going to have to run without you. Sure. And so that's that's quite a that's and you know there's always levels of challenges mm-hmm. so but kudos to you for getting even getting to this point for those that are you know you know in their day job they're thinking about that dream job you've given us some great advice anything else before we close out that you would say to to, to launchers out there that are thinking about maybe making a leap oh man I always wonder why I didn't find something unique like something that someone's not doing because then it's it's easy to make your mark in the industry if you're doing something special. But, you know, I think that you can always take something that someone's, many people are doing, and improve on it. And I feel like that's what we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at other companies around me that are successful that have okay products, but they're good people, you know, and they provide yeah. good customer service. And they make people feel like, they're they're appreciated and wanted and i don't know if this is helpful but i try to i try to put my customer first i really do i try to make them feel like they're special Mm -hmm. and as it applies to once you get going i think that's critical 
while you're transitioning from your day job to your dream job, it's crucial that you're, I've said it a million times, that you're faithful in the situation that you're in mm-hmm. currently. Yeah. Uh, because you never know if, you, if you're going to have to take a step back. You might need that person or you might need that company. Right. So be faithful there. And it will pay off. Hey, that's those are great lessons. You also mentioned making customers feel important. I think it's an import, important question for all of us to ask is, how do people feel when they do business with us? How do people feel coming to work with us? How do people feel when they talk about our company or organization? It's important to get lost in data and systems, and I believe in all of that, but there are nuances to business. There are nuances to churches or nonprofits. And that nuance is how do people feel? And you've done a great job in a small retail space of making it feel very warm mm-hmm. and very um, very cozy as they come in. And it's like they're walking into home. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I owe a lot to the to the folks that work with me, too. I'm tough on them. They would They would probably tell you that if you were able to talk to them. But... The cr- well, I'm interviewing them next. Good, this. please. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they won't quit. But yeah, I think is it, in in what's crucial too, and in, in what I do is is their values align with my values, right? Because if you know, and I have a um, I have a quote in my I'm gonna I'm gonna drop something here, but I have a quote in my kitchen, and we call it the kitchen in the restaurant. Actually, I have two quotes of. Uh, two very different people. One is Anthony Bourdain, and one is Jeff Henderson. And uh, two very different people. Oh, uh, very different. Uh, one I like a lot, and one I like even more. Um, we won't let. We won't ask who that is. That's cool. So, but the quote, what it basically says is, is you have to um, create this group of of people that believe in what you're doing, and give them enough tools and give them enough. I don't know the right words. You basically have to fill them up and get them to believe in what you're doing so that they can go out and spread that message. Mm-hmm. And they're your dream casters. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, I hope that that's what I'm able to do for the folks that work with me. I hope that's what I'm able to do for the people that come into my restaurant and leave because I want them to talk about what we're doing. I want them to talk about, hey, this might be the best brisket I've ever had in my life. Right. Because I want them to come back. I want. Mm-hmm them to tell someone that's going to come back mm-hmm. over and over. Well, and that's an important point as well. And, uh, you know, Anthony Grove with Intel says that a brand is no longer what a brand tells people it is. A brand is what customers tell customers the brand is. 100%. And that's what you're talking about. Well, Stephen, I'm, man, I'm thrilled. I'm very proud of you. It's been fun for me to be on the sidelines, front row, watching this thing develop. I want everybody to follow Socks Love Brands on Instagram. Would that be... That'd be the best place for them to connect, yeah, connect with you. Certainly, yeah, you can connect to everything from there. And you'll see, uh, just as a piece of warning, you'll get hungry wa- mm-hmm. uh, watching these posts on Instagram. But that's actually the point. Yeah. And uh, catering kitchen, if you got any catering opportunities, I guess locally it would be awesome. And yeah. uh, how can they get in touch with you? Sure, same way. Uh, the website is SocksLoveBrands.com. Again, Socks Love comes from the seasoning company. That's our brand. You can hit us up on at Socks Love Brands on Twitter and Instagram. Or come see us. We're in uh, Cumming, Georgia. It's about 20 miles north of 20-something miles north of uh, Atlanta. 
um, we would love to have you and host you in our kitchen. Hmm. So for those of you to wrap up, those of you, you've got a, you've got a day job. That's a good thing, by the way. And you're looking to do that dream job. I would listen to, to Stephen's interview several times just as a reminder to always take the high road that your dream job often leads through your day job. And nights and weekends really help you shrink the gap for the risk that you'll have to take. You don't necessarily have to leap into a dark canyon. You can build this over time. It will require patience, persistence. But in the end, um, I think you'll experience what Stephen has experienced, a business that really has some traction. Um, Stephen Hartsock, thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. And thanks for all of you that listen to Launch University. Speaking of Instagram, you can follow us at Launch University on Instagram as well. And uh, shout out to David Farmer, Shane Benson, and Kevin Jennings um, for all that they're doing to help launchers um, take their good ideas, turn them into reality, and sustain them. That's what we want to do to help make the world a better place. Thanks for being a part of this, and we'll see you next time on Launch University. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.